Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. That's pretty heavy, man. I mean, there's a lot in there. Uh, you know, like we said um, a few weeks ago, the, the Bible, the Bible is weird. It, it just is. It's okay to say it. I know some of you who don't know me, you're going, who is this guy? Like, why are we in here listening to a preacher that says the Bible's weird? But it is. When you read it, sometimes I think we expect it to be, you know, just something that we, you know, that's very comfortable and that is just very simple to read and says very simple things except it doesn't, and we're going to dig into this. And uh, many of you guys, if you are here last week, you remember this is, we were in this same exact section last week, all right? And so um, we're going to keep trucking through this, but let's pray before we get into this, okay? Let's go to God in prayer. Uh, Father, as we open your word, um, as we come here together as a community, Father, I pray that we uh, are reverent of you. Um, Father, we cannot fathom uh, your magnificence, your majesty, Father, your power. We're grateful for all of those things. And uh, there's only a certain capacity we have of understanding. Uh, but Father, please, I pray if there's any kind of irreverence inside of our hearts, Father, that it's removed. Please help us to not entertain those thoughts, Father. I pray that um, as we read into your word, um, God, help us to not um, read something into it. Help me not to preach something into it that you never intended, Father. I pray that, uh, that we are devouring your word, Father. These are the words of life. Thank you for giving them to us. Um, and I pray just as a community that we do spur one another on, that we love well, Father, the people you put in our lives. And we pray in your name. Amen. So um, Hebrews chapter 10, um, we're starting just a little bit of a just a reminder there, and you've heard this plenty, verse 19, therefore, when he says therefore, he's really, he's putting everything together, the first nine and a half chapters, he's saying because of all of that, and essentially the entirety of the nine and a half chapters was written to Christians who were a bit older, who had gone through some persecution, had gone through some hard times, were, were contemplating, maybe we should go back to the old ways, right? I mean, Judaism was something they were comfortable with. They were Jewish Christians, and they were contemplating this, right? And so the entirety of those nine and a half chapters was simply describing that Jesus is better than every single aspect of Judaism. In fact, he fulfills every aspect from the sacrificial system to the priesthood, all of these things. Jesus is superior to. So we can imagine, and again, always let's try to get into the like the the headspace of the original hearers, of the Jewish Christians. And as a Jewish Christian, although we can't completely understand emotionally what they would have felt, there would have been some great encouragement and some confidence to be reminded that, yeah, don't forget there's a reason that when Jesus came that we heard his word and followed him. This is just can be such a fantastic reminder. And he says here, therefore, brothers, 
since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, and we went through that entire, really that paragraph last week. Uh, but I do want to remind us here as we're talking about our spiritual journey to maturity, this is, one of the, this is one of our core verses we've been talking about. This is one of the most exciting verses uh, it, when Paul writes to the Corinthians, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Right, when we slow down and think about that, that is one of the most exciting things humanity has ever heard before. Okay, it is Paul being, by, being led by the Holy Spirit to remind us that, hey, Christianity wasn't this thing that you just kind of have this mental belief in, and then you go on and try to do really good in your life. He said, actually, Jesus has this really fantastic plan that his spirit would be transforming us into his image. And I just want to continually ask us, can you imagine what that will look like for you? Sometimes we don't think about that, but what would it look like to be transformed over time? What will it look like next year to be a little bit more like Christ? And the year after that, and the year after that, what will it look like in your life? What will be the things that will be gone? What will be the ideas and the opinions and the dreams and the goals and all the things that we hold so tightly to that in over years' time, we'll look back and go, man, we're literally in every way from the inside out being transformed into the image of Jesus. It's so exciting, right? The Holy Spirit, so here's the great thing as he kind of planted his Holy Spirit into us. Um, so here's what is produced from that. So there's this, there's this transformation. Well, what's, what's produced from this transformation? Well, it says here, the Holy Spirit, this isn't in the Bible either. If you're going, what verse is that, okay? But this is just me, okay? I just put that up there. Uh, the Holy Spirit leads us away from being motivated by fear and self-protection and towards trust and abandonment in God. All right, that, that's what should be produced as we're transformed, is this shift away from fear and self-protection. And so do you ever feel that way? Like we're just, maybe you're afraid. I know I do. And I want to protect myself. I don't want to be challenged. I don't want things to be different. I want them to be the same. The Holy Spirit is helping me as I'm being transformed into the image of Christ to abandon that completely. To abandon that, um, it, to, to lead me away from ego and that ego's desperate attempt to control life's outcomes, okay? That's something we certainly can all probably agree with. Right? We love to control life's outcomes, okay? And the Spirit is leading us away from that and empowers us to fully give ourselves over to the will of God. This is, this is the production of, of our lives over time. This self-abandonment, away from ego, away from fear, away from these things, and this truly is, brings freedom. So this first paragraph that we went through last, last week, I just want to take a second to show there's these three words that are really interesting, right? There's confidence, assurance, and unwaveringly, okay? And the reason why I bring that up is because oftentimes it's, we, for whatever reason, we don't read into the Bible that God is trying to, be, to, to help us become confident 
in our salvation, confident in our life as disciples. And this entire paragraph is talking about this, is this idea of through him. Why do we have confidence? Well, he said it's because Jesus was the high priest and is the high priest. We have confidence to enter the most holy place. And so hopefully as we go back and read this and we hear the words of this writer where he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place. And if you're going, well, what does that matter, the most holy place? Well, the Jewish people understood that's where God was. That's where God lived among them, was in the most holy place. And the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, don't just like go in. You, you, we don't have to like go in in fear, right? And then like, oh man, is he going to strike me down? He says, no, now because of Jesus, we have confidence to enter the most holy place. We have this assurance that we should have because of this faith. And we keep going back, well, what is this all about? And he says in that paragraph, if you remember, it's because of the blood of Jesus. He said, you were washed, you were sprinkled, all right? And remember last week we talked about the idea of as men, we kind of make up all kinds of different doctrines about things. And we go, oh, sprinkling. That's why we now sprinkle babies because we, it says the word sprinkled here. And certainly that's not what the original hearers ever would have heard. But what they would have heard is the term like being sprinkled and being washed with pure water is exactly what the high priest had to do to enter the most holy place. And he's saying you can be confident because that happened to you. You've been washed. You have been. The, the high priest had to be consecrated. He had to have his no sin on him. And that's how in the old law that happened. And we know in the, in the new times, when we take a reading of the New Testament, it becomes really clear that, that what that was for the, for, the, uh, for the Jews is now what baptism is for us today. Okay? And the concept of baptism doesn't take away the idea that, yes, the blood of Jesus cleanses us just like when we go and 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 fuel up our cars okay we go what makes a car run well gas gasoline fuel like that's what goes into my tank okay and that's great information but if i never put gas into the tank my car won't run but we don't make that argument a lot of times in as disciples or christianity in general we, we have such like a, a weird like anti-baptism slant that it's kind of like we go, no, but it's the blood of Jesus. Well, of, of course, a absolutely. And, and what makes these lights go on is electricity. But I have to flip the switch. Go on, now you're talking heresy. Are you saying you have to do something? When do we ever make that argument about anything else? <laughs> Yo, are you telling me you have to put the fuel in the tank? then that means the fuel didn't work. That means you, you did it. You made your car work on your own power. And we're going, what? what? No, I flipped the switch. I put the gas in. That's why it made it go. And we read in the first century church, are like, hey, go and be baptized. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That means they're washed off of you just like the high priest. The same way, so we can walk in confidently and have full assurance, not because we do everything perfect, or everything great, or, or we're, we're like better than everyone else. It's simply because of the blood of Jesus. That, that's it, okay? And so we have this, I hope we don't lose this idea of confidence, assurance, not wavering, okay? But then he goes into the, right here at the end, and he talks about this. Uh, hey, when you come, don't forget, 
consider how we can spur one another on. Have you thought about that this week? Remember, we talked about that last week. He said, just think about this. Consider how we can spur one another on to love and good deeds. Spur one another on. And he says, don't stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encourage each other more and more as you see the day coming. All right. And, and, and as I shared last week, that's a... Like that idea of, of meeting together and let's not stop meeting together. He said, don't make it a habit to stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. That, that's become like a strangely controversial um, passage. But I will say this. Let me argue the other side of this, okay? Because it's not just always that simple, okay? Because, again, we're super grateful that we're able to be on Facebook Live. I and mean, we have technology today that for people that can't leave their homes for people who are sick, for people who just can't, for whatever reason, cannot leave to be here, we have, what a blessing it is to be able to have that. And and I think we always need to remember that, okay? But then there's another side of it, as I was reading this and I'm meditating on this passage and thinking about it, um, it's it's really easy oftentimes, I've been, okay, you you know, I've I've been praying and, and asking us to pray for God to search us and to show us Okay, and I really feel like God has been showing me how much of the kind of get off your lawn guy I'm becoming. Okay, the dude who's yelling at the kids, right? <laughs> Stop doing that. You mean, when, when I was a kid, I didn't walk on people's lawn, you know, and just the, the curmudgeon. And it's so easy to look back and go, hey, that's simple. Right? Don't stop meeting together. And then, and then you want to know what? When you've been a Christian for a while, you start like in having these stories of, you know, and the stories get better the older you are as a disciple. It's almost like we truly are fishermen. Okay? You know how fishermen are like, I caught a fish this big. And then t- 20 years later, it's like, that fish was huge. Okay? And we've taken that part of fishermen and we've embraced it. Okay? And, and so, you know, everyone does. I have those stories, okay? And it's so, man, it was so easy to tell the stories of we had to drive, like, you know, we make fun of older, gener- like my, my, my old grandparents used to say, we walked everywhere in the snow and all that kind of stuff. And like, ah, and, and listen, then I see, man, I'm becoming the guy, go, man, I used to drive an hour to church and, you know, and you're just an old curmudgeon. Because it's so easy to look back and go, that was just easy. Like, why don't y'all figure that out? It's so easy to do that. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is like right here, right in front of me, okay? Because when I go back and take an honest assessment, I think, man, there were a lot of times when I was like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I don't have the gas to do that. This is costing us money to do this. And you want to know what makes it even harder? You add a little baby to the mix. Okay, so why I'm bringing all this up isn't like I'm not trying to make some kind of like secondary excuse here. What I'm saying is, is when he says don't stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, it's not always that simple either. In fact, it's very difficult at times and in different seasons of life. It's really difficult. Okay, it's not just super easy. Now, it may be, now, now, hold up a minute. Okay, there may be a group of y'all. It is easy. Okay, because like you live across the street. You got nothing else. You got no one else but you to take care of. You know, everything's peachy in your life. Okay, yeah, you may be in that season. Okay, but this isn't completely easy 
to accomplish. If it was, I don't think he'd have to say it. I don't think he'd have to, to talk about it, right? We had, I remember, gosh, Reese was like one year old. And we had this idea, and I can't for the life of me imagine the leadership meeting I was in where we okayed this. But we had this idea of, hey, let's do um, a, a midnight service. And like everyone in the church had like newborns. And, and we're going, really? You, really, you want to carry a newborn in at midnight on Christmas Eve? <laughs> And not only that, we were in a barn, right, for real, okay? Like, like the children's churches were stables, okay? Like we went all Jesus in this church, okay? Like I put my kid in the manger, all right, when they went to children's church, okay? But I remember driving, and we were driving from Live Oak, and, we had, and Reese is just crying, and, and we're going, who is the idiot that thought this up? And I'm like, I think I was in that meeting. <laughs> I think, and I'm thinking, what are we thinking? Okay? Like, like it, was, it was crazy. And then the moms are having a, a meltdown because the babies are like, they don't know what to do. And they're like going crazy. And I'm like, hey, birth of Jesus, isn't this great, everyone? Like, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in the church going, we should all be joyful, you know? <laughs> And my wife's ready to be like, I'm going to leave you over this, you know? And so all of that, there's this messy truth that comes with it. And so I just want to really make sure that, um, you know, hey, we have great war stories. I have some great war stories as well. Sometimes the fish grows over time, you know, and it's, and it's awesome. But this is difficult, and it does require us to give thought to it. And it is, quite honestly, it is tough. It is tough when you have a baby. It is tough. But, but I will tell you this, okay? And, and don't, I hope you're not misreading me. I hope you're not writing notes going, Keith said don't come to church if you have a baby. No, 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 no. I'm saying, hey, welcome to parenthood. It is difficult. There are seasons that are difficult. It's tough. Some of you have your children sitting with you in here. And, and isn't it amazing sometimes how much our kids start bugging us when we want to do something else? Like, why are you bothering me? And going, hold up a minute. This is exactly like, I want my kids to see this. Right? And, and, and here's the other side of this. It wouldn't it be easy if every time we got together was so exciting and just like you walked out of here on a cloud and it was just the most amazing. You felt like Jesus himself had touched you. And every time, except that's not true though, right? There are times you sit in here and you're like, I can't stay awake anymore. <laughs> Somebody said, that's me. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to look over there, okay? <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> but, but there are times. <laughs> All right. All right. That's the most honest person in here, okay? <laughs> but, but here's the thing is community, and we've been talking about transformation, right? And transformation, there's a private part of that, but then there's this transformation that we have in community, and you want to know what community really comes down to? It's a long walk in the same direction together. And you want to know what some of those times, you don't walk away necessarily. But what's better than anything, I can tell you this, is when I do leave the times together, 
Um, I, I can honestly tell you, man, I am encouraged. It is so good to see people. Like, I, you know, I love hearing from other folks. I love touching base. I love all of those things. And so, I, you know, I think the practical that I would kind of share as we leave this verse right here is if your intention of church or a family group is one of like, if it's not completely exciting to me all the time, then this is the wrong one for me. Instead of going, but that's life, though. You know, there's a really, like, popular saying going around Christianity this past five years of, I just want to do life together. Absolutely. That's awesome. And it's boring a lot of times. It just is. But it's fulfilling because of the relationships. There's a difference between me being excited about something and me being fulfilled with something. There's a difference with that, okay? So anyway, how about we move on from that? It goes on here. Now let's like, this is a, this is a section right here. We're going to read through this paragraph again. And I want you to kind of zoom in and think about this. In verse 26, he says, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him and who has insulted the spirit of grace? For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. And it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Uh, So here's my encouragement to us as we read this. All right. Is one of the things, unfortunately, most of us, I mean, I would just take a wild guess. Most of us have our, our theology of Christianity has been formed from early on if we were starting to go to church it was our kids church it was our pastors preachers priests it was our family that tends to be where we where we get those right and what i'm going to continually remind us to do is that rather than like trying to label a theology is that we continue to read the bible at face value right do you understand what that means it's not face value isn't literal and it's not uh, figurative it's you read the bible in the way that it was written so this is a letter that he's writing he's not being figurative it's not poetry it's not a song but we're going to read it at face value and i think um, one of the things that becomes really difficult about this section is is there tends to be two camps here Um, and maybe there's more than that but there tends to be maybe a couple of camps one is, man, once saved, always saved. All right, man, once you're in Christ, you can never, ever, ever lose that salvation, right? And then there's another camp that's like, no, you can, though. But, but you can. And those two camps fight like crazy. And each camp feels like the other one is a heretic. And we battle, and quite honestly, Almost everybody that tries to like dive into this ends up trying to pull scriptures out that never meant what they were meant to say. I mean, it's just kind of we pull things out because we're scared of what he's saying when he's telling Christians if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice is left, just judgment. 
And I think at face value, if we were to read that, if we were able to like erase the hard drive of, of, of like inherited Christianity, if we erase the hard drive and we said, well, what do you think about this? Well, it sounds like if you deliberately decide to live in a way where Jesus isn't your Lord and you deliberately do it, then you aren't counted as a Christian. There isn't any more forgiveness of sins remaining. Okay? Now, here's the problem with this, is the fight that the two camps have, and I'm sure that we've got both camps in here. Okay? What the fight becomes is, is this idea of, um, on, on one side, it can be used as control. Like, if I can scare you enough to make better decisions, all right? If I can tell you that your salvation is like hanging by a thread, that you're walking this tightrope that's so difficult to watch, uh, to, to walk, that if I, can, if I can get you to believe that, man, I, there's an emotional manipulation that I can do to where you'll make decisions, but it won't be on the gospel of Jesus. Okay, but then we have the other camp that is so fearful of having to confront anyone about their lifestyle. So fearful in any way to say, you want to know what? There is a standard that Jesus called us to live. There, there is a standard and there can be such a fear and, and particularly the fear is familial and what I mean by that is, quite honestly, we don't care about other people, okay? Like, we care about what makes it personal to us. So if I were to tell you, hey, there's some, you know, some evil family in, uh, you know, northern Minnesota that you've never met, and they do horrifically bad things, although they call themselves Christians, nobody would become emotional to question that, are they following Jesus? But when it becomes personal, it's when it becomes someone in my own community, someone in my own family, right? Someone in my family that I have to go, no, there's no way. I knew they were in Christ. I knew they were a Christian. It didn't matter all of the ways they lived, even though they lived completely opposed to Jesus. There's so much fear behind that. And so that what I'm saying is, is you can have both camps that are really, really, really far apart from one another, Okay. And then we forget as we read this text, he's saying, I want you to be confident and be assured. I want you to be unswerving, like, like in full assurance. Why? Because of Jesus. We're not talking about a perfect performance. Okay. So let, let me enter it this way. Um, so Jesus actually says that he does allow divorce for sexual, like uh, marital infidelity. Okay. He allows that among Christians. Could you imagine at your wedding, your spouse going, that's not fair. <laughs> that, you can leave me if I cheat on you? That's not fair. There's no way. Huh? I don't like that. We couldn't imagine it. We couldn't imagine it in a million years to say that somebody could live unfaithfully and and. and be sexually immoral with someone other than their spouse, right? We, we couldn't possibly get our minds around that except we use the same exact opposite logic when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. When we go, no way, 
I will, if I want, live unfaithfully. So you, you got to keep this in mind. Deliberately, that means I am my Lord. I'm going to do what I want, and I'm going to do when I want it. And I'll go to church. Oftentimes, I'll go to church, and I might even be a part of a small group. And so this requires us, again, I don't have the x-ray machine, but it requires us to, like, really give some thought. Is Jesus really Lord of my life? Okay, is there anything that I tell myself no simply because Jesus had told me to say no? Is there anything I've given up because Jesus, my Lord, has asked me to give it up? Okay. And so I think that when we read this at face value, do we get into this? I don't think it's a matter of having some theological debate of we, and, and you got to understand something. Once saved, always saved, and all these other things. This is dudes that we never knew arguing about stuff in the Bible really to kind of like hone in on own, their own group. Like, like you figured that out, right? Haven't you? I mean, we got a ton of churches in Clemson. And, and I will tell you the easiest thing for a church to fall into is, man, we got to do something to keep our flock all together right here. And the way we do it is we have our traditions that other people don't have, and so you must adhere to those. Instead of, let's just read the Bible at face value. How about that? Okay. Like, to me, that's simple, and it's not simple at the same time, okay? Because a lot of us have inherited a lot of Christian tradition and a lot of Christian doctrine that doesn't allow us to just read the Bible at face value. This is scary. It really, really is. It's scary because it doesn't ever go away. I hope the Bible continually challenges my heart for the rest of my life. There are ways constantly that I'm like, hold on a minute. How was I like that before? There are, there are things I teach that I look back, I'm like, I want to erase the times I've taught other things about this verse because as I'm learning, okay, but we're all growing. The word of God is really digging into us, okay? So my point in saying this is, um, hey, let's not be the group that has to argue these points. Let's just take the Bible at face value. And what he says right here is if you can tip... Uh, deliberately continue to do this okay if you deliberately keep sinning he said there's only one thing left and it's the expectation of judgment it's the it's this event this vengeance from god and you're like wow is that meant to it when i read this it's scary and here's what i'm going to kind of share and continue to share is fear isn't the point of this okay conviction is a good thing all right, being scared into something, I don't see that oftentimes in Jesus' ministry. If I can scare you enough, but there should be a deep conviction that this relationship me and Jesus have and this relationship that we and Jesus have is a sacred thing that requires a, it requires a faithfulness. It requires an obedience. Again, not a perfect performance, but you know what? There's a difference between, you know, perfect performance and being faithful as a community we continue to help one another grow in the lifestyle of jesus okay and so that's this section that's kind of taking us through that you know it's a little bit um and again we have kind of a hard time with these sections hebrews 6 is like this um have you ever read bits and pieces of some of the letters to the to the churches where he said you know galatians 5 for instance he said you know if you live a certain way you won't inherit the kingdom of God. Have you ever thought, like, why did he have to write that to Christians? Okay? It's amazing that if this relationship isn't 
a relationship that is that should be one of reverence and awe and sincerity and faithfulness, Paul wouldn't have had to write almost any of his letters to the churches if it didn't matter. Except he was calling them to repentance, okay? So we're going on. We're, we're, we're coming down the mountain of chapter 10 here, okay? He says this, remember the earlier days. All right, Th- this really is a message to, to older Christians. And I don't mean older like you've had to be a Christian for 30 years or 20 years or 15 years. But you've been a Christian maybe 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 years and up. He says, here's the thing. Even as an older Christian, you may be tempted to give up. And that's what was happening here. It's, it's hard to say that would never be a temptation for us when we see it happening to people who lived in the first century. Okay, so hopefully we're like, we're hearing that. If you've been a Christian for quite a while, remember those earlier days, he said, when you received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering, and you suffered, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were treated that way. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and, uh, had better and lasting possessions. So don't throw away your confidence. All right, so as we follow this kind of flow here, it's say, hey, therefore, brothers, because Jesus is who Jesus is, let's be confident. Let's be confident. Let's have full assurance. Let's hold unswervingly to this hope, right? This is, this is really something that should be inspiring us with confidence. But he's saying, hey, watch out, because there are dire consequences for walking away. Dire consequences. But then he says, but you remember and some of you guys do remember those. Some of you have been around a long time. You remember those times. Okay, and, and again, I don't know what you're hearing, but I do know that, man, over time, you can go through tough things that make you want to go, I just want to kind of be on the safe periphery of the church. Okay, I just want to be in this area where I'm around enough, I'm nice enough, and I'm good enough to where it's kind of like, yeah, you're, I'm here and I'm in it, but nobody's going to take my possessions. No one's going to talk badly about me as a Christian. I'm not going to be slandered. I'm not going to suffer necessarily. And I feel like even if you're a younger Christian, Sometimes what can happen is is our trajectory can be kind of this drifting out to the safe periphery. And that's a really, that's not the place that Paul is calling us to or the writer of Hebrews or Jesus, right? And, And the writer here is even saying, remember those days, and you remember what happened? You were publicly exposed to insult. You were persecuted. You stood by people who were persecuted. You, you joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Here's the tough thing for us. We oftentimes, we we don't joyfully accept when we don't get to buy something we want. Like we still pout. I mean, the teenagers pout, yeah, for sure. But we just learned how to do it in an adult way. I've learned to pout in an adult way. And so this idea of, man, this is something I really wanted. I really want the new iPad. And how come we have to do this? And how come, you know, and, and, and going, well, well, hold on a minute. 
Like that's a far cry from my brothers that joyfully accepted the confiscation of their property. All right, he's saying, remember these times. Don't throw away your confidence on these times, okay? And so that safe periphery of the church, there's a temptation that we face over time. And there is a salvation and a religion that the world accepts, okay? And it's so easy, and we all will be tempted with this at some point, okay? So we need to be aware if you're feeling weary, if you're feeling like, I don't know if I can endure anymore. I don't know if I can put myself in a place to be hurt again. I don't know if I can go out there and be talked badly about again. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I want to open up my mouth in front of my friends where I'll lose my friends. I don't know if I want to do that anymore. Okay. Understand that while all of that's happening, Satan is going, hey, just believe like the safe periphery of the church believes oftentimes something a tad bit differently that's acceptable, okay? And what that belief is, is that we pursue comfort first and at all costs. So again, this is, this is one of those things to go, wow, this is so easy to like enter into. Am I pursuing comfort first and at all costs? Do I reject anything that makes you feel bad about yourself? What's the great thing about being in Christ is that Jesus has already given and established a worth to everyone, which is the worth is, is the blood of Jesus. There's nothing more precious. And he said, this is what people are worth to me. When we aren't kind of embracing that aspect of Jesus, then we just try to run away from anything that makes us feel bad about ourselves. Instead of confidently going, there are bad things about me. I'm not perfect. I do mess up in relationships. I do say stupid things. I do all these different things. But what's great is, is my worth in Christ is immeasurable. And so that helps me hear this from people. Pursue, this is kind of the world's kind of religion that uh, we uh, pursue all ways to find our true self. Have you ever said that before? Like, I need to find my true self. You can buy Christian books that will tell you to do that. Like, you, like the goal, find your true self. Listen, I want my true self to die. Because Jesus, his life for me is way better than my true self. Okay? Collect achievements. Boy, that's a big one. Your professors are trying to teach you that. The world is trying to teach us that. Collect achievements. Have lots of achievements. Okay? I've shared this with you before. I, I should have brought it like, you know, the, the you know, participation trophy. No, I, I got more. I, you know, but y'all know about my basketball prowess. You know what it was. Runner up, free throw champ, Solano County. <laughs> Solano County. That's in California. That's big fourth grade, nine years old. Okay. Okay. What about that achievement? <laughs> okay. And you wonder what, when I was nine years old, I was like, this is going to carry me for life. <laughs> like who else is better than me except for the one dude in front of me. <laughs> right. I mean, like, you know, and so you collect achievements, right? 
you know, I've got the, you know, the ribbons they give you in swimming. I don't know if they do that anymore when I was on the swim team. And you got these ribbons. And I got them all like rubber band together. Almost like I could like go through town and go, hey, you know, high school. Hey, ladies, <laughs> check it out. <laughs> 25 blue ribbons. You know, we collect achievements and they become more. As life goes on, they become, if I can collect a great career and a great job, and if I can collect achievements in, uh, you know, standardized testing, SAT scores, ACTs, GREs, MCAT, if I can get a really, you know, some of y'all are taking those right now. You know, Reese had to take the ACT. I know Sean had to take the ACT a little bit ago. And you all know, remember how nervous you got about what your score was going to be? And, and honestly, it wasn't just about getting in. You wanted a score that you could kind of like, well, I'm, I'm awesome now. Except here's the funny thing is, no one ever looked at you and said you were awesome because of your test score. It never happened. I don't care what you think. Okay. No one ever was like, man, that person is so awesome because they got, you know, a 1,500 on their SATs. You know. You might have said, hey, that's a pretty cool accomplishment. And believe me, they forgot it that instant. Okay. So it's like achievements aren't going to cut this, but the world is trying to tell us achievements can. They can and we got to go, no, 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 okay? And, and maybe the worst of all is the world and even the church can become a place where pleasure is the ultimate goal of life. If it's pleasurable, it must be right, okay? We've got to be careful or we'll shrink back, okay? We've we'll, we got to be careful because this is so easy as we get to the safe periphery to go, no, but this is what I want. I want people to be able to talk about me like at my funeral and to be able to tell like, hey, Keith was the greatest trainer and he was the free throw runner-up champ at Solano County and he had five blue ribbons in swimming and, you know, and all of these things and, and going, I don't want that at all. There's only one thing I want in my eulogy and in my obituary is he loved Jesus passionately and he loved his family and he loved his church. Okay, that, that's enough for me. And then if one of y'all want to share about the free throw shooting thing, that's totally fine. That's on you. I'm going to leave that to you, okay? You, you, you get up there and share about that, okay? <laughs> that's what will get him. Endure confidently. So this journey of formation, here's the crazy thing is, is so we, as we come down to the end here and, and we've read this and he's saying, hey, listen, endure confidently. Don't throw away your confidence. Persevere. When you've done the will of God, there's going to be a great reward. We're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who believe and are saved. Okay, so it's this idea of, man, if I'm shrinking back going, hold on, we can't be those people. All right, but here's the interesting thing about the word of God. This like lesson right here can't change anything about how you feel about these things. All right, the journey of formation in Christ requires both private times with God and times with community. Okay, we need both of those and the word of God will move us constantly. The word of God will be moving us towards prayer, meditation and community. So what do we take from something like this, okay? Is I guess it would be simple to have like these three practical points that you could take and go and do these things, but I don't think that's adequate for these passages here, okay? I think if we're not moved to prayer and meditation and community, I don't know if our hearts will be conformed to the Bible in this area. I don't think we'll change. I don't think we'll mature, okay? And what I mean by that is, is that we set aside, and this may be a new practice for you, 
in terms of like our community, our gatherings together, is that it doesn't stop here, that you take this as a tool throughout your week to be praying and meditating and interacting with community through this, all right, of opening up our hearts, of examining ourselves, okay? So here's just a few um, things to help you get started, okay? Maybe this is a tool you can take with you, right? I meet with my CFC community regularly. Hey, just kind of think through that. All right, don't, don't read a ton into that, but read it honestly. Attack it honestly. What keeps me from meeting regularly is what? Third thing, just thinking about this when we're talking about community, are there people here that you don't know? And I don't mean like best friends. But I will tell you one of the things that can happen is we come to church and we kind of like, here's my people, here's my people, here's my people, here's my people, okay? And then it's like, oh, man, I didn't even know you went to my church. I didn't even know, you know, and go, oh, we, listen, let's challenge ourselves, not just to, I think we can agree, just meeting together isn't the goal, all right? It is community. It's loving one another. But I do want to challenge us, maybe each week, go and meet with somebody, talk with somebody in here that you've never spoken to before, all right? Which areas of this section of Scripture are giving you the toughest time. This is just for your own thought, okay? As we study this, I think it's valuable for, to go home prayer, meditation, and community, but which areas of this section of Scripture are giving you the toughest time? Maybe what am I being called to change, and who will I sit down and share this with, okay? That's always helpful for me because once I, like, put it down, I feel kind of bound to it, okay? This is just a starting point. But hopefully it begins, maybe, maybe it's new, maybe it's something you've been doing, a new discipline of how we come together. And that we leave here not just expecting to have all the answers necessarily, but we prayerfully, meditatively, and through community come together to be conformed to the Word of God. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.